0: This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve get lost under Western eyes to discuss 2015's brutal yet refined horror Western Bone Tomahawk. Side quests include Steve popping his jury duty cherry and the horrors of the US legal system, G-Baby's newest culinary creation, the Alfredorito, and that feeling you get when you're eight high-lifes deep and drops of Jupiter comes on. Go ahead, skin it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Let's wax this barbaric porpoise.
1: Chase, don't do that.
0: You see, we we working on his brow chakra. We're just in back to the crown shop. Didn't bring any chaser. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Leave it in. All right. <laughs> uh, welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, we're back at it again. This time we decided to uh, audible and just uh, pick a movie to check out. Um, this week we're on episode 32 now, and we, we ran with Bone Tomahawk from 2015. By S. Craig Zoller. Um, as a reminder, uh, waxing the porpoise here, we uh, we review a film uh, my co-host Steve has never seen before, um, in hopes of bringing up his uh, cinematic acumen uh, to a to a higher place. Um, you win some, you lose some. I think we're like 85 or 86%. I think possession brought us down maybe 84% approval rate from all the movies we've seen thus far. Um, and then we also sprinkle in, uh, occasionally, um, your unexplained unsolved kind of mysterious true crime, uh, cases that haven't been done, uh, to death, some more unique ones, I guess. Um, which we'll be getting back to as well. Uh, And then we've had kind of a grab bag of uh, episodes, one of which next week I'll I'll tease in in a little bit uh, that we're shooting for will be kind of like a um, kind of open-ended, open world just discussion about whatever uh, potentially. So um, at any rate, yeah, you got myself, uh, Jim G. Baby the funk of 40,000 years and as always we have our co-host the usual suspect steve how are you doing man good man good to see you yeah good to see you too 50,000 no get elephant in 50,000 get you Bow oh <laughs> how's your week been
1: it's good it's been good i've got uh jury duty on monday so oh. that'll be That'll be a first. I'm, uh, I'm not First necessary. timer? Yeah. I mean, I've got the notice several times, but every time I call, and my group is not required to go. Right. Um, so this is the first time I'm going to have to go. I'm not really dreading it or looking forward to it either way. It could be cool to get put on a jury if it's an interesting case. Uh, or it could also just be like a colossal waste of time. Or really just, boor- in my mind, boring more than anything. It, and it could also be like a very scary venture to see like, oh, if I'm ever dragged to court and my life is on the line, these are the fucking scumbag pieces of shit who are going to be deciding whether or not I right. go free or not. I kind of had a similar experience recently where, we, I know we've said on the show before, but I have a I have a concealed carry permit and I have to go and renew it every couple years. And... I'm as I'm as pro gun pretty much as you can get, but even I, when I'm in these classes, I'm looking around like Jesus Christ. These are people walking around with weapons all the time. Like <laughs> it's scary. It's scary, but you know, it's just yeah. it's, it's the reality of the world. Like I had this fucking eighty-five year old guy sidle up to me and want to just chat when we were waiting for some of the other people to go through their like shooting test, and I'm like lady you're scaring me like <laughs> <laughs> he's sucks. all fucking shaky like when he's doing his shooting tests. like oh god oh man but yeah i mean it would be cool it would be cool to to be on a an interesting like murder case i, I i've been following this case in the news recently that just finished i'll, I'll give you like the quick 30 second rundown uh it was a it was a self-defense case Or he was charged with murder, but he was claiming self-defense. He was down in New Mexico. This guy used to be a professional skier, the type of skier that they, you like, get in a helicopter up in Alaska and you like fly to the top of some crazy mountain and get out and fucking ski down. And they film it. Yeah, pretty wild stuff. So uh, he's originally from New Mexico. He's going back there to buy some land or whatever. The guy he's potentially buying this land from is is a little bit of a. Sounds like he's got a little bit of an anger problem and a little bit of a drinking and cocaine problem. So the the potential seller comes over to the property one day where the guy's being allowed to stay while he thinks about buying it or whatever. And they get into an argument. They get into like a physical fight. The guy starts like beating him with mace, the guy who owns the house, like beating him with a mace container. The skier, he goes to grab a gun and then they're fighting over the gun. And as they're fighting over the gun, it discharges like 15 times, like up, down, sideways. They had some ballistics that show, like the gun's fucking upside down against the ground, like shooting down, shooting up. And uh, yeah, uh, the skier ends up coming out alive. The other guy does not. But I mean, it was, I mean, it's pretty much the definition of a self-defense claim. Like they're both fighting over the gun, whoever Whoever gets the gun is going to live and whoever doesn't dies. But right. this this poor fucking guy has been sitting in jail for the last two and a half years. They go through the trial. I mean, it's streaming if anybody wants to watch it on YouTube. The guy's name is Dean Cummings, the entire trial. The state had such a dog shit case that they came back with a not guilty verdict after like, I don't know, lunch. It was so quick that... Damn. They had nothing on this guy and he sat in jail for two and a half fucking years. Imagine if... If you were taken out of your life right now for two and a half years, yeah, good yeah. luck paying your, paying your mortgage. Uh, you'd Fuck. lose your job, yeah. probably alienate like your wife tornado. and kids. Yep. Yeah, and now they're like, "You're free
0: to go." Sorry, You're free to go. You probably have <laughs> three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt. You're know, like your credits eviscerated your credit cards have probably been maxed out. You're just fucked financially. And then yeah, all those yeah. other things in the wake of that dude. So it's possible
1: like not only his real life expenses, I've heard estimates in general for like murder defenses. Cause he had, he had really good lawyers on his side. Thank Christ mm-hmm. for him. Um, there's chances are his his legal defense was in the six figures before it even like went to trial. And Yeah. So, so add that on top of not having income and regular life expenses, crazy shit. So all that, all that in a roundabout way of saying scary if you find yourself, uh, in the Mm -hmm. crosshairs of the criminal justice system, even if you're completely innocent. So,
0: yeah, I mean that situation, I think there's something to be said for like, you know, maybe being a better judge or of who you're dealing with, or maybe just me. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it can happen to anyone, but that's that's the kind of things like where I think I'm like, I'm glad I'm pretty boring, you know, because then I don't, there's not a lot of opportunities to put myself in situations where weird shit like that can happen. You know, like like they say, mo money, mo problems. Yep, they do. They, (laughs) They be saying that. Um, but yeah, no, that sucks because I'm sure there's other examples of like much more mundane and like shit that you you couldn't see coming or avoid. And you just yeah. find yourself in accidentally where you're totally in the right and you're just yeah. like reacting to a situation and you do do the right thing. But something like that, there's a tussle and there's a gun and then like, you know, someone's dead. Then you got to go through the machine of the legal system and, and yeah. all the proper procedures and like what is I, I can't remember the line there from the outsider the guy says he's like you're on like the, the litigation train or the, the something the state's train and it's like it goes very slow and it doesn't stop very often or something like that but um yeah that would fucking suck to find yourself yeah. in that kind of situation and just like have it all burn your life burned to the ground and then all right later yeah and it's not like he can go after them
1: after the fact like hey this prosecution was bullshit you owe me money they're like no we don't enjoy your freedom <laughs> yeah bye
0: yeah yeah that sucks. anyway not
1: to derail no that's the, cool from I the mean,
0: very beginning but i've i've uh no that's interesting i i have i can't remember the last time i went to jury duty but i mean nowadays too i mean fuck you just make bring an extra charger like mobile charger for your phone and just get some good pod lined up to beat the boredom but yeah who knows maybe you'll you'll get into a a trial that's interesting i had a teacher growing up i think in junior high or early high school she talked about um she was on like a murder trial and it lasted for like i don't know three or four months and she's like it was really interesting she's like i wouldn't really want to do it again but i was kind of younger she's like i just got out of college and she's like a long trial yeah, she said some of the people that they would pull in, like, inmates from the jail where the guy was being held, like, like they had some info, and she's like, dude, some of these guys were characters, like, they they were just, like, eating it up, getting to be out of the, of the prison and, like, going to the trial and, like, yeah, yeah but something, yeah, you get, like, you get, like, a long duration, and yeah, or, God forbid, you had to be sequestered or something, like, I could see that being, like, fuck, let's just get this over with that's another thing to be said for like i don't know if i've talked with you ever about this but i've heard you know like the idea of like professional jurors or somehow like policing and like you know having like an infrastructure built around like people that are like professional jurors that you would pull from because you like you said you know the normal average joe going in on shit it's like that's kind of scary to think like their your fate is in their hands, you yeah. know, where there where there could be like potentially a third party that's unbiased and has a professional like kind of like uh you know do no harm kind of thing like doctors do like that kind mm-hmm. of mantra and then go in and then like they professionally like he- because they're more used to hearing and like you can't cut ke- you can't like hoodwink someone that's maybe not up on laws you know that kind of thing like so are you familiar with what a bench trial is i've heard that but i so i feel a little shame saying i don't know it's i mean
1: it's not i don't think it's super common knowledge but like a bench trial is the is Is that just with
0: the judge right so okay
1: some some states you're allowed to like demand a bench trial other other times you can request one but it's kind of what you're referring to, like, if if you're completely innocent, the uh, the adage or the I guess generally accepted thought process is is if you're innocent, you want a bench trial because you don't want to leave it up to twelve people who weren't smart enough to get out of jury duty. Right. But if you're but if you're guilty, you do want a jury trial because you just need one dipshit uh, yeah. to hang the whole thing. So. Yeah, that's kind of the different schools of thought on that,
0: but uh. yeah, depends depends on what your intention, like what your reason for being in that place is, like because, like, yeah, if you're guilty and you're trying to get off, it's like, yeah, I do want that. I don't want this unbiased third party system yeah. of like learned uh, folks in law. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want this dipshit over here that can maybe let, that we can
1: just emotionally appeal You're to sweet. one person on that jury. Yeah. Well, and then there's not to make this even longer, there's this idea of a rogue juror like uh this was a the problem they think with the Scott Peterson case where there's a ton of media exposure and there's some person at home like gets the jury notification and they're like I'm going to get my way on this jury and to to push uh. my influence and so they they're asking you all these questions like, can you be impartial? And like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And then once you yeah. get in there, you're trying to influence everybody else. Like, you know, this guy fucking did it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the the same thing happened in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial.
0: Like, Ghislaine. Yeah. Yeah. One
1: of the questions they asked was like about if you were ever a victim of sexual assault of any kind, and. Uh, if you said yeah, they would dismiss you because you it would be harder for you to be uh, impartial or whatever. And one of the guys in the jury had, didn't disclose that he was like a former survivor or whatever versus victim. Oh wow! And was like heavily influencing the the jury, so they thought they might get a mistrial on that. I don't think they did, but it might be an appeal point later. Yeah, whatever. Didn't
0: she get sent? Did didn't she get sentenced?
1: Yeah, she's she's live in a cush existence in a federal, like, low security. Yeah. It's not a pound me in the ass <laughs>
0: prison. You ever run backwards <laughs> through a cornfield very good? You gotta help me, man. Uh, it's my bitch, Nate. Uh, uh, all right. Um, one thing I'm, I'm kind of proud to share going hard, uh, 90 degree turn is, um, I, I did a little bit of work in the garage. I lost track of time. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon today. I was like, I'm fucking hungry. I barely had breakfast. I think I just had coffee. And so I come in and I was like, I'm going to max something. And then I remembered we did the night previous last night. We did, uh, we got a rotisserie chicken from a local grocer and we made, uh, Alfredo at home, Alfredo and noodles and broccoli. And that's like, you put them all together. Um, so I was like, I'm on a big burrito kick right now too. like putting everything in a flour tortilla. So I was like, okay, so the base, I'm going Alfredo noodles atop the flour tortilla. I take the broccoli and I split it with my fingers uh-huh. across and then I take the rotisserie chicken. I get some dark meat. I get some of the wing. I get some skin. I like place it all in there real good. Throw, throw it on the pan, fry it up a little bit of butter on the pan. Dude. Bomb. This, this Super sounds good. like the, potentially,
1: Alfredo-Rito. Uh, the, Ooh, the Alfredo I stepped all over it. Alfredo Um, <laughs> This kind of sounds like this week's installment of uh, random acts of fat.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Totally. But, dude, but it there's broccoli but, on it. Yeah. So I, I didn't go, and I, I did sprinkle some cheese on it. So fuck me. But um, that sounds good. Yeah. Little moths. Uh, yeah. To keep with the Italian theme. What's he say? You can't nothing. mix whatever cut.
1: You can't mix Mexican and continental. Yeah, nothing screams Italian like wrapping it in a flour tortilla.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! It was good. I also had some uh, L. I've gotten into el yucateco hot sauce. Have you ever had that before? Uh huh. Is it what color? I got the black, the smoky habanero reserve. Is that Dude. the is that the spiciest?
1: Because I know the green no. and red are
0: pretty spicy. It's the second spiciest. The, the The spiciest one is the XXX Tension, like something. The, the Ass looks, Ripper
1: 10,000?
0: Yeah. It's like a, uh, it's like, it looks kind of like pink and like light orange. So it's oh, like, okay. they just put straight habaneros in this thing and okay. ground them up basically. But I think that's their hottest one. But this one tastes like habanero, only smoky. Like okay. with the black, with the char dude so good. Yeah, that's my favorite hot sauce right now, I think. But uh yeah, it all it actually went really well together. So I'm convinced now that uh the flour tortilla is the preferred food delivery system. So I'm going to start trying it with all kinds of other shit that you wouldn't think of. Cuz it's like I don't have, I don't have to burn a fork doing that. It's like boom. <laughs> I'm all It is, hands. It is quite efficient. <laughs> all right i just wanted to share that and tonight i'm drinking too i got i'm pretty psyched they got it's a new belgium just came out with their holiday ale 7.5 flavors of cranberry and spice it's actually pretty delightful and it doesn't taste like a 7.5 beer it's is not it really kind heavy. of um
1: is it kind of like sierra nevada celebration
0: i think it's easier drinking than that Oh, okay the cranberry definitely comes in a little bit more, especially on this back end here. But I don't know. I've never been a big celebration guy. Like uh, I'm not a huge hard myself. Him. It just tastes like
1: potpourri. It's like really, I don't even know how to describe it. Not my favorite.
0: Yeah. Like that and Bigfoot. I was just like, or even Narwhal, really, I don't really care for by Sierra Nevada. But uh, it's just, at that point, I feel like you're just hitting like cough syrup is where it gets for me sure like i want to be able to taste like some more of the yeah i don't know i don't i'm not a big heavy beer fan other than like like an irish car bomb like those are just (laughs) fucking tasty like (laughs) sure (laughs) those are just delicious um all right so let's let's get into this thing here uh so we i kind of picked this on a whim and i was thinking like at first I was thinking of the movie Hostels from 2017 with Christian Bale and Wes Studi. Um, and then that like at the same time, like I associated that with Bone Tomahawk. I was like, oh, that one that one I think would be up more Steve's Alley, too. Mainly for like the Kurt Russell connection. He's always dope and everything he does. And it's a Western, it's it's a good western. It's got a nice little twist on it. Um, little zing on the the modern western but uh hostels is definitely one i want to come back to it in the future and it's crazy that that uh doesn't have more attention on it uh I th- my brother-in-law watched it a while back and he's like he's like yeah it was fucking amazing and i it's weird because it was one of those ones i remember seeing the trailer for and i was like hell yeah I was like I'm watching this for sure and it's one of the few that I've ever done that with and I just ended up never watching it I think I hmm. heard something like a bad review it's too slow or it's this and then I just put it in my rear view mirror and it, I just forgot about it completely but I guess it's supposed to be real dope really good performances so that'll be one I want to come back to but um, after watching Bone Tomahawk again I'm, I'm actually glad uh, that we'll be talking about this one because I forgot how dope it actually is so, yeah, my, I guess my quick history is I've seen this. I think this is my third watch. I watched it last night. And, um, yeah, I really like it. It's fucking awesome. It's it's a per, I think it's a really good blend of horror and Western, and it's not overt. Um, I think when I described this to you, what did I say? It was like
1: um, – It was a mix of uh, apocalypto – I can't remember what you said, but I I forgot you had mentioned Apocalypto until I watched
0: it. And I, I definitely picked up on that and remembered like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's right. <clears throat> yeah. I can't, I, I said it's, it's like a mix between some random Western and Apocalypto, which I, I'll hold to that maybe, too. Maybe I feel you said like Tombstone or
1: something, whatever, whatever way you described it. It was like, I like
0: those things. Yeah. So I thought that that was a good pitch to it. Let me, let me see. I got a, because now this is going to eat me alive if I don't remember what the fuck. Oh, you said it's like if
1: Wind Wind River went harder into gore, sneaky horror, mixed with Apocalypto. Yeah,
0: there you go. Yeah. A- after the watch again, I don't know if the, the Wind River is really an apt comparison, but I know you like that flick, so maybe that was part I do of me just being a little a slimy. salesman. But, well, a little salesman
1: yeah. but... <laughs> Shyster. I like apocalypto a lot too that's a good one
0: yeah Apocalypto is one i've only I think I've only seen that the one time, maybe twice because it was such an intense experience because yeah. uh, I, I saw it in the theater for sure, and I think I maybe watched the other I watched half of it on when it was like on cable or something, but yeah it was intense like it's one of those ones where you, you like thank your stars that you're <clears throat> you were born in like a modern age, a civilized age. Yeah. I think one of the
1: reasons I liked it so much is I went into it kind of like the movies we've been, we've been covering going into it with absolutely no idea what the fuck to expect at all. Like literally nothing. So as it developed, it was so much more interesting and, and cool to see because it was so unusual, you know, like I can't think of any other movie that's kind of like that. So, you know, it was very cool versus seeing a, versus seeing a preview for something and having a general idea and going in and expecting that and kind of, filling in the holes as you watch
0: it, but word. All right. So yeah, I I like this film a lot. I think it's fucking dope. What did you think of this? I loved it. Yes. It was was awesome. It was pretty
1: much everything I like in a movie. The only thing I knew about this movie leading up to it, or I I say no loosely, the only time I had heard about this movie, uh, I had associated with it this idea that not only was it like a, like a culty kind of, indie following but it was like a Mm -hmm. heavily nerd influenced cult fault you know not like oh yes this one is a cult following from big movie fans that you know sniff their own farts or whatever the vibe i got was like nerdy dudes that were like this movie's really gory and i like it a lot so and i think Mm -hmm. the reason why in hindsight after thinking about it like all day why i got that impression I think I had only heard about it from, uh, let's just call them like socially awkward, like card counter type dudes who were like, this movie is really gory and I I like it because I'm not allowed to watch scary (laughs) movies in my mom's basement. But yeah, so I I was expecting like a 92 minute over the top, just gory, uh, like gratuitously violent, not great storyline just kind of shitty movie. So when I, mm-hmm. when I first loaded it up, I think it was on Peacock or something, whatever it is that there's ads, it said two hours and 45 minutes. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what the, f-? and, but then I looked it up on, I think IMDB and it said two hours and 15 two minutes. hours. And 12. And I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. that's, that's a little more manageable. And it didn't end up having as many commercials in it as I thought it did. But, uh, So that was my first confusion. Like, oh, wow, this is like an actual long ass movie. So hopefully the story is good enough to sustain interest for that whole time. And it's not just, oh, I cut his head off and then blood came shooting out. And, you know, so I was (laughs) I was extremely pleasantly surprised by the movie from beginning to end. And I don't know if like. I've just become really desensitized to violence and gore, but I didn't think it was too insanely gruesome, maybe just compared to what I was expecting. There were there were obviously a few parts that were just insane and even the way the movie starts with him like sawing the guy's neck. There there's something about yeah. n- knife like stabbing and sawing that shit bothers me. So much more than watching like shootings or like car accidents or there's just something about like the sound and like how
0: you could just picture how how long it actually takes. Hurts
1: like yeah yeah. Yeah. So where
0: one second probably stretches into like ten minutes.
1: I cut my fucking finger the other day just cutting a piece of bread, and it was very traumatic for me. So. But yeah, so this one starts on a on a great high note of that guy getting his throat sawed open, and yeah, David, like Ar- right, David right Arquette out the,
0: right out of the gate. Yeah, I'm like
1: David Arquette, yep.
0: I'm in, and yeah, yeah. Then it just kind of goes from the, there. The Dewey factor would would help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like I like how they they used him in this. Yeah, I did too. Did you notice the other guy in the beginning too? The uh, Aren't you a fan of, like, Devil's Rejects? Not really, but he looked familiar. Or House of a Thousand Corpses.
1: I've seen... I think I've seen both of those maybe once. And that's kind of what I was expecting from this movie. Like, oh, wow, look how shocking and gory and crazy, but not actually good this movie is. So when I saw that guy, I was like, that's either... In my in my idiot brain, I'm like, is that Rob Zombie or like, why do I know him? Was he in one of those shitty movies or mm-hmm. was he in like High yeah, Tension was- or like wh- I I knew I recognized him from something,
0: but uh, holy shit! Wait, I, are you saying you've seen High Tension before? I have, yeah.
1: My brother wow. is a big. My brother is a big movie guy, so by osmosis, oh, okay. I I saw like a couple movies that you huh. would
0: probably you know, up, approve of or whatever, but not very many. So I know we've talked about this off air and we can edit this out if we need to as well, but nope. um, leave it in. What? It, I didn't know your brother was a big movie dude too. Um Yeah. He
1: actually worked on, more. he worked on, I think several. So my ignorance is going to show itself again here. Like I know <laughs> he worked on a lot of film productions, a lot. I don't know what the definition of that would be, but he definitely did a lot of like behind the camera stuff. And I think he even took like broadcasting in in high school. So he was kind of always into that stuff. And yeah, it would be interesting to have him on because I know he's, uh, he's worked with another guy that I think they may have even done like a full length feature or a couple like short films. I, I I, I don't know for sure because I don't know what what I'm talking about. But yeah, if you wanna yeah. if you wanna have him on and you guys can wax poetic about some hippy dippy bullshit while I just watch <laughs> while I just watch Twister for the thousandth time, that's fine.
0: Uh yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that more offline. That that sounds like uh yeah, if he's into it, we sh- we should for sure. Maybe see if there's something like that'll uh flip my mind. You know, something, maybe something I haven't seen that he's in on that—that would be a cool, cool one. Um, where he's—he's he's the like the shaman. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, you like this one? Um, yeah, it, it's actually—I think it's reputation, like, kind of uh, makes it seem like this is gonna be like really disturbing, like, like nonstop gore fest, maybe. Maybe not yeah. so much, but, um, I mean, it does have some scenes that are definitely punctuated and there, there's one in particular that we'll get to towards the end that <laughs> like, I was like, Oh fuck man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, and then like another one that was just like disturbed me on a different level, like a, a part, but yeah, I mean, I, it, this, I think this guy too, as Craig Zoller gets like, he, he gets this, um reputation because he, he puts these things in his film, but I think he puts them in like really strategically. And, uh, I guess jumping ahead, like in a couple scenes, like towards the end, like when shit really picks up what I liked about the week, the way he shot the film. And this is, I know this is like a him signature because I've seen his other two films, uh, brawl and Sublock block 99 with Vince Vaughn, which is good. Also, um, I don't like it as much as bone Tomahawk, but, and then there's another one with Vince Vaughn again and our guy, Mel Gibson in uh, dragged across concrete. I think that's his most recent one from like 2019 or 2020. But, uh, that, that one's very similar. It's kind of, it's gritty. It's like, it feels very real and and it has some scenes punctuated with like, like pretty over the top violence and gore. But, um, the, the way he shoots that stuff, it's not like an action film, like where you zoom in on some dude getting their head blown off and like, you get like a slow motion, you get another angle, you know? And it's like really like, uh like dramatic and like, like Just you can tell your you're watching a movie. Whereas yeah. Whereas this, there's some scenes. It's like, boom, someone's get, gets a knife through the uh, back of their neck that pops out, like out of nowhere. And it's like, it's all being shot. Like, in in one one shoot or one take you know and like or another thing happens someone catches a bow and arrow to the fucking shoulder someone gets hit with a rock that fucking like disables their arm and another dude gets like the piece of his forehead sliced off all it's all rapid and it shows them like like oh fuck and they they double back and, and how they recover from that all in like one shot i mm-hmm. liked how it wasn't like overly like produced in those shots because yeah. it to me that's what made it feel like Apocalypto, like this shit's really happening to this people. Almost like, not quite, but almost like you're watching a documentary of this shit mm-hmm. or like found footage, just shot really well on a nice camera. Um, I like that about this guy. Um, that like the way that the action scenes are shot, um, which I think is a unique mark for this guy. But um, well, and I, I, I just love. I, I wanted uh, to touch to. Oh yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, the other thing I really
1: loved about this movie is, I thought it was fucking funny. Like, from beginning to end. There were so many funny parts. Yeah. Or just like, clever. What was your like, favorite funny part? Um, I mean, I thought a lot of the dialogue was really good, and just clever. There, yeah. It's tough in a movie like this when they're trying it was to... like, no BS. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have a thing with with movies that are set in a certain time period where you can tell they're like laboring to sort of speak in that way from that time. And it just seems really unnatural. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple parts early on where the, the dialogue just seemed kind of like stilted or disjointed or like, I was very aware that they were trying to speak of that time, but I, I, I didn't yeah. get that vibe for too long. Um, after, The first little bit, it just seemed, I don't know, either I stopped noticing it or it stopped seeming weird or, or what, but, um, I don't know if this would be my favorite part. It became like natural. Yeah. But one of, one of the first lines of dialogue that really made me laugh was when, um, Bruder, who I think, I think Bruder might be my favorite character in the whole movie. He's pretty fucking cool. Nice. Uh, he, yeah, uh, I like him a lot too. He's just like a really cool, like interesting character, and like kind of a scumbag piece of shit. But you also are like rooting for him. He's like a good antihero, I guess.
0: So um, yeah, I'll is... say I'll, I'll I'll probably say it right now. He's probably my favorite character too, okay. and he's got a little bit of like a he's got he's got like a little bit of um. Val Kilmer in Tombstone, kind of, not, not quite that, but he, he's got a little bit of Doc Holliday in him. I felt like is what attracted to me, me to his character.
1: Yeah. So when he first is escorting the, uh, the female doctor, or I guess like she's a doctor's assistant or
0: the doctor they were trying to go get she, was like, she's too drunk. The, so she's like the, yeah, that's her dad. The secretary. Oh, I yeah, didn't pick and, up on that. And she's that. like, like waiting. Yeah. That's her dad. And he's like the, like straight up G OG doctor and she's following in his footsteps, but you can tell, you know, she's very capable. She proves that. And like, she yeah. knows what she's, she's no nonsense, you know? Yeah.
1: So, well, uh, I mean, prior to the scene I'm talking about when Bruder's having the conversation with the piano player, he's like, why is one song three cents, but yeah. three is 10 that, that whole thing was funny. <laughs> Um, some of the dialogue even kind of gave me like a weird Quentin Tarantino vibe where it's like this dialogue yes. has absolutely nothing to do with the fucking movie at all, but it's yeah. really, it's really interesting for just like character development. If you want to be a douche about it, <laughs> like the, um, we're in the trust like, tree. It's fine. Like when uh chicory and the sheriff are talking about reading a book in the bathtub and, and like, just that whole scene, it's like, this has nothing to do with anything at all, but I really enjoyed that scene and that whole conversation. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, the the scene I was talking about that I don't know why it just made me laugh is when Bruder's escorting the the wife over to the jail and uh, Arthur, who's still laying in bed, he's like, Bruder, any flirtatious comments to my wife? There'll be a reckoning. I don't know why. I just love that part. <laughs> Yeah,
0: that is a good scene. Just, you can just and hear his voice coming from later. The,
1: the back bedroom like, Brooder, any flirtatious comments in front of my wife?
0: <laughs> yeah. I like when they – see, that's – it's good that they put that in because it's kind of sets the stage for later on when, you know, people are at their breaking point or close to it uh-huh. and, like, things have gotten real. That comes back and he's like – because he probably feels that way all the time, but when he's in normal civilized life, you know, he's got to, like, play it off like, yeah, you better not fuck around with my wife. Later on, it comes out. It's like, you tried to fuck her. Like, and he's like, that was uh-huh. years ago, man. Like, So, yeah. I, I like – how in a a pretty short period of time we don't stay at like the uh the main town settlement in this i mean we're in a western so it's small town called bright hope and um i like how you get to meet pretty much all the key players in the small town all at once and you get a vibe of like you know who's who and you get a little you get a little bit of backstory on each one like you can tell that the mayor isn't respected (laughs) Sean Young is in this from Blade Runner uh you know she's the mayor's wife that does all the talking and thinking for him and then you know yeah you get to meet the the yeah you get to meet the deputy you get to meet you know Chicory you meet the oh you know this is the doc's daughter who's married to lives with Arthur like you get all these things set up where uh in the town pretty quickly. I think he does that really economically. Like you get a a quick snapshot of like who's who in this town. And then there's a little bit of importance attached to each of them. Um, But it doesn't drag. Although I, I, I remember looking at this and I was like, fuck, I didn't realize this was two hours and 12 or two hours and 15 minutes. I was like, I could see that maybe being a knock, like, that it was a little too long. But then when I watched it, I was like, this feels, this is one of the rare movies where I feel like it, it feels quicker than the actual runtime. Yeah. Would you yeah. agree? I, or was uh, that one uh, of your yeah. knocks?
1: No, a hundred percent. The only, the only reason I was aware of time passing was cause I think it was Peacock, whatever app it was, they would it was cut it. Oh, maybe Pluto. They cut in like every nine minutes with a commercial But every commercial was for State Farm. So, like, I know we've talked about this on different movies where the timing where they cut in is just fucking bananas. They won't wait for a scene to break. Right.
0: There's no rhyme or reason. They're just looking at like the minute count, and they'll be like, "Okay, right here."
1: There was, yeah, exactly. There, I can't remember which scene it was, but there was a scene where like somebody just took like, you know, a hatchet to the face and was like laying on their back. And then it cuts over to fucking Jake from State Farm talking about (laughs) this annoying chick's insurance. And then it comes back and it's back to the guy on the ground. And then half a second later, it switches to the next scene. Like you couldn't have just moved that, finished the scene, put in your stupid commercial, and then moved on. Uh, So that was the only thing that sort of paced it for me. Like, oh shit, it's already been nine minutes or or whatever. Because yeah, it, it didn't drag for me anyway at all. Nice. I felt so dumb when I looked up the cast afterwards because uh, the guy who plays Chicory, Richard Jenkins, who's in everything.
0: Yeah. Go back.
1: Go back.
0: From Step Brothers. Oh yeah, the dad. They told yeah. me to get a. John C. Ryland's dad.
1: <laughs> they told me to get a fucking job and stop being a dinosaur. Yeah, he's also the <laughs> the dad in. That show Six Feet Under, which I don't know if you ever watched, but that was a
0: good show. I've never, I've never caught that. Kelsey's a big yeah, fan. I, I've, I've never.
1: Thought I thought you had said your wife likes it. It's a good show. I would recommend it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I. That's one of those ones on my list I need to get to before I die. But yeah, I like the
1: guy a lot. Had no idea that was him the entire time, which I was really surprised by.
0: Yeah, he has this weird affectation, like on his talk, and he's kind of like trembly, and like he's kind of almost like a village idiot kind of guy that Mm -hmm. means really well, so he's endearing, but kind of annoying at the same time. Like, all right, shut the fuck up. (laughs) And he's got he has this weird wiry white beard, and he he looks really weathered and old because he filmed this. I think this was right when he was also in Cabin in the Woods. Have you ever seen Cabin in the Woods? No, you'd probably like it. I think you would like it. That's a more of a mainstream film, but maybe that would be a good one. Probably if we're still doing this like next Halloween, that would be a really good one because it takes like the whole horror, like kids in a cabin and weird shit. Kind of, it's got a lot of evil dead influence going on um, and turns it on its head, like a really like cool twist. But anyway, uh, he's in it, Richard Jenkins, and he's great in it. I think he'd like him in it a lot, but um, yeah, I, I liked his character, Chicory. What else was I going to say? Oh, real quick, back to that point that you said you mm-hmm. liked when he's, like, fucking with the piano player about, like, you know, one song is three cents and three for ten or whatever. Did you recognize that piano player at all, the bald no. piano player? Nope. So he is, you probably won't, maybe you will, he's the principal from Back to the Future. I, I haven't seen that in so long. It's like, Jesus, didn't he
1: ever have hair? I, I honestly but have no memory. You're a slacker,
0: of- just like your father. I have no memory of that movie. Okay, so you I- probably know, he in Top Gun 1, he plays that guy at the bay. He's like, you fuck this up. I'll have you fly oh. and rub a dog shit to Hong <laughs> yeah. Kong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. He's been in a couple things. He's a good character, like side actor. He's always like chomping on like a fucking cigar. Um but, yeah, I, I thought that was cool that he was in here. But, yeah, that part, I was like, oh, dude, I could see Steve being all over this part, like him interrogating him about the price per fucking song on the piano. But, um okay, I think, too, that like, we should um, just run through, like, the primary cast just real quick. Um Kurt Russell, obviously, in this, uh, he's awesome, as per usual. I liked how understated he was. Like, I feel like... um like his lines, and he didn't play it way over the top. I play. I think he played it just right, and like, he, like his responses are like snappy, very economical, few words. Like, it's like, yeah, this he's. It's probably hard to break out of that for people of a certain age that have seen Tombstone and Oma's fucking Wyatt Earp, yeah, um, or even it, Hate. It's probably hateful hard hateful to break. Was
1: it. kind of a similar character.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, he's been a leading guy in a lot of action stuff. So you have you have a certain way of thinking about this guy, but I, I thought he played it like pretty understated really at the end of the yeah. day. Um, and I liked that a lot. I also liked, uh, I remember the first time watching, I didn't really care for him, but after seeing, I can't remember what season of Fargo, the TV show. Do you, do you recognize the guy, Patrick Wilson who played Arthur, the guy with the bum leg? No. Have you ever seen any of the Fargo TV series? Mm -mm. Dude, strong recommend for, especially the first season and the second season. Um, Well, fuck it. I say all of them, but the first and the second, the first for Billy Bob, Billy Bob's fucking just perfect in season one and season two, they go back to like the sixties and Patrick Wilson is in it. He's pretty much your main character. He's fucking great. He's Hmm. awesome. Um, Yeah. He's he's been in a, a lot. Yeah, he's good. He's great in this too. He's been in a lot of stuff. I think uh, a lot of people know him if you've seen Watchmen. He played the owl guy. I'm not a big Watchmen or comic, fucking cheat codes guy, but um, <laughs> I read literature. Dog. Um, <laughs> he played the he played Owl Man or Man Owl in Watchmen. He's been in a few other things. Um, yeah, I, don't know. He, I liked his character.
1: I don't know if you'll share the sentiment at all, but with all the, like, gory stabbing and clubbing and arrows and all that shit, I, I felt some of the most physically uncomfortable i felt in this movie is when he would like fall and eat shit with his leg like i could just yeah feel and that, they'd like, throw
0: in oh. that fucking foley of like they'd throw in specifically like a sound of a crunch yeah or like a rip tear or a crunch where it's like they're trying to put in your brain like yeah he just fucked up his leg again yeah. on that fall <laughs> like because i've done that before like I, I i remember i broke an ankle and i was on crutches for a while and i know that when you like forget you have a cast and crutches and you just like, or maybe it's me. I'm just a fucking idiot. I forget for a second. I put weight on that thing when I had a yeah. cast on and it's just like, Wah! like yeah. knife stab it's dude. Yeah. So I definitely felt that too. Like there's, there's long stretches where he's like fucking around on that thing. And that leg is like, <clears throat> dude, like they almost cut it off at one point. Cause they think he might turn to, he's like, Robin, smell that leg. Yeah. Tell me if it's south of cheese. Like.
1: Well, in that, that scene you're talking about, I was getting more and more uncomfortable because I thought they were going to show something like overly gross. But then like right as he goes to hit it, it flashes away. Hard cut.
0: Yeah, it's hard cut. cut.
1: Thank God. Because I felt like that would have <laughs> been a really cheap opportunity to just like,
0: oh, you know. Yeah. So as gory, and it turns out that that was bullshit anyway because they didn't take his leg so that was kind well, of they like were a,
1: I think he was just breaking it
0: to reset it right
1: that's what I thought they were oh saying. okay
0: well after the fact because in the moment I was like it it sounded like I think the last thing Kurt Russell said was like we're gonna have to take that leg well, like, I thought so, that's
1: what they were doing so when he's laying there and he unwraps it and he looks at Kurt Russell and like shakes his head. I thought when, when they're arguing back and forth and he tells him to, you know, look at it, I thought when he looked down, the bone was sticking out. Like he had fucked it up so bad that the bone had right. Like, and so, you know, he was saying, I think we're going to have to take the leg or whatever. And he was saying like, well, can you set it?
0: Like, can you just re-break it and put it oh, back? Okay. Maybe I missed that piece of dialogue. Okay.
1: I could be wrong. But then, yeah, when he went to go hit it, I was like, oh,
0: And then they flashed away real quick. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we already, we already touched on Richard Richard Jenkins who plays Chicory, who I got to say at the beginning, I was like, "Mm, I think this fucker is going to be annoying, but I think maybe around the halfway point he won me over. But if he doesn't, I think he'll win. He'll definitely win you over towards the end. Like he's got a nice moment with Kurt Russell and you know, he's not so annoying and like one of these lackey fuckers. Cause he, he does play like a, he's like a hanger on like right next to your fucking hip. And that can be really annoying, but I think he balances that. Um, but the next person I want to talk about Bruder, who I think from this point forward, just so I keep it straight, is like, I always think of him as Jack from, uh, lost. So Matthew Fox plays this guy named Bruder, um, He's very like Doc Holiday ish. He's, he's the only guy in all white. He's got all white duds, like fucking like shirt, like vest, little hat, you know. So he he looks like one of these like like a dandy, like yeah. sharpshooter, like gunslinger. He, he's, he's a cock of the walk. He's like a bachelor, Mr. Yeah. Cool guy, man about town. Um, <laughs> I got meetings. Um. Would you love me, Greg? Uh, <laughs> so he, yeah, he, he plays this like kind of cocky. Like I think they're wanting to like intimate. Like okay, this is the guy that's the, the ego, the the cocky, uh, overcompensating asshole. Who's you know he he's, he's he's got some stuff going on, but he wants you to think like he's like the biggest baddest around and he is i think he i think he backs that up but um i think there's more to it you know because they touch on it too really quickly like he brags about how many indians he's killed and this and that and they have in this town uh once well i guess too so we got to talk about um one of the stable boys gets killed uh because these indians come back because they know where uh David Arquette has absconded to cause they killed Sid Haig from Rob zombie fame for walking into their territory. And these fuckers are like base level, like super savage. They don't have any speech They're it, That's where the apocalypto comes into play. Like these hardcore Aztecs who are just like, you know, these like they're committed to like sacrifice and they believe in all these things. Uh they come back to this nice little establishment, the settlement. Yeah. And they're like apex warriors, you know, not to yeah, be they're, fucked they're with They're pretty all. much like predators, you know, like that's what I thought immediately. I was like, oh, these are like fucking just like savage motherfuckers that are badass. And Keep saying like, savage.
1: Yeah. That's dangerous.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I don't mean it in that way. I just mean like they are <laughs> like... It, no, nothing is off limits here, yeah. so th- they they come into this little peaceful, like supposedly civilized, you know, town of a bright hope, and they they abscond with Arthur, uh, Arthur's wife, uh, the uh, David Arquette who plays Purvis, just a fucking thief like highwayman kind of person, yeah. and the deputy, um, deputy Nick. <laughs> So this kind of starts a powder keg in the town where they got to go look for him. So Bruder's this like, I I can't tell if he lives there, if he's just some kind of like traveling dandy, like drifter, that's got a reputation, like as a gunslinger type guy pretty much the the guy that you would want to have in town, like that has some kind of attachment to this thing to go out and help you like a raiding party to go get these people back. So he's like, you know, I feel a little bit responsible for fetching the doctor to go attend on this person. And like, that's why she's gone. She's been kidnapped by these, this tribe of the, uh, the Valley of the, what was it called? The Valley of the something guy or something. I can't remember. Um, But anyway, yeah. So they bring in like uh, they have a professor, a town professor who's like a friendly native who has like, you know, assimilated to, you know, like he wears a suit and everything. So he's giving them intel. He's like, yeah, these people are fucking bad people. They're like, they're like centuries old. They've never come out of the old ways and they don't, they're, he calls them troglodytes, you know, like they're, they're just like, like you said, I think apex predator is the perfect example. Um, like zero empathy, like pure, like survival and like kill whatever to subsist. Like that's, that's what we're dealing with. And um, so our guy, Jack Bruder, um, Matthew Fox, He's like, yeah, he's like, I've killed all these fucking Indians. I've killed more than any man in this room. And that our Indian professor who's played by, what is his name? Zahn Who He's been on a couple other things. He was in uh, Dr. Sleep recently. I saw him in Dr. Sleep and he was fucking awesome in that. He was great. Um, he's like, hey, that's a pretty disgusting boast or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, and Bruder's like, it is not a boast. But a fact, mm-hmm. you know, so he's got this ego trip. Like he's he's killed a shit ton of Indians. He wears that like a fucking chip on his shoulder badge of pride. And he's he's like a badass gunslinger, you know, with an ego. So you could see he play. he I think he fits in that anti-hero kind of mold perfectly. But yeah. at any rate, so that that starts us off with this raiding party, obviously led by Kurt Russell. He's our lead. He's the town sheriff. So he's like, I'm going to do this. Along with Richard Jenkins, who plays Chickory, and then we have Matthew Fox, and then also Arthur, uh, played by Patrick Wilson. He's on a bum fucking leg. Like, he fell off a roof, and he's like, he's in a bad way. Like, this leg looks like dog shit, and he's having to crutch his way across, like, the countryside to go find his kidnapped wife. Um, I think from there, you know, they. You know, it just shows like the struggles I think you just, of. I think you froze. Did I? Maybe it was on my
1: end, but it was. It I did
0: not on my end. It, was it should froze. be okay for the. <clears throat> the way this stuff works, it should be good for the local recording. Okay, but I'll I don't know if you want to mark it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna mark it, and just, I'll double check when I go back to edit. Because there was if like there's any weirdness. Five or ten seconds where it was just like
1: frozen. Your picture, anyway. All
0: right. We'll anyway, yeah. Sorry board. to. No, you're good. Um, so at that point, our raiding party has embarked. And one thing I wanted to come back to as well was um, some of the levity, some of the humor that's dropped into this. Um, another point that I really liked is I think the first night they're setting up camp. Again, it emphasizes, you know, Jack, Matthew Fox's ability, like it, like his ego is backed up. Like, he, he's this isn't his first rodeo. He starts setting up, like, a tripwire that has, like, bells on it to surround their camp to, in case, you know, someone comes through that line, they'll hear it. And he's like, as soon as you hear bells, you just fucking shoot, you know? So he's, like, all business at this point. But when he's setting up camp, he's like, are any of you Somnia Lamblet? Some, yeah. <laughs> some ambulus, which is like the fucking scientific term for people who sleepwalk. And when he says that, he's like, are, Hey, are any of you guys some ambulance fucking our guy, chicory, who's got a screw loose. He's like, he's like, Hey, that's uh, what I keep in private. And he's like, yeah. I mean, do you sleepwalk at night? And he's like, yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah, no, that was, we're good. That was, like, that was funny. That that part gave me a good chuckle. Um, when it wasn't
1: it wasn't too long after that, right? And I think it was that same camp where he's like, I'm obviously the most intelligent one out of all of us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like he he makes no bones about being like he's like, Yeah, I'm the biggest, baddest, some bitch here. Like with a gun and with my mind. Like he's like a he's very tactile and it seems like this is the guy I want on my side, like leading this three day journey on horseback to find these fucking hardcore like have never come out of the stone age, like Indians that are going to just like fuck us up hardcore. This is a guy I want on my side. Yeah.
1: He seems like a, like a post civil war mercenary, you know, just like a gun for hire. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. cause they said, they said at one point in the beginning, I can't remember when they're in the bar. And they're like, yeah, all the dudes are gone for whatever reason. I can't remember what they said, but they said the only people left in town are the wives and children. And then Dapper Dan comes walking in. So clearly he, <laughs> he, his employment is not that of the other men in town. But yeah. I, I should have I paid more attention to the
0: dialogue. I didn't catch that either. Like I I thought this was just a really small like settlement that had just gotten started. So they didn't have many people within it, but yeah, I missed anything else about like any of the other people in town. Excuse me. Um, But yeah, he's definitely a free agent for sure. Um, So I think from there, you know, you get a couple people that kind of, they, they hit their perimeter. They, they end up killing them. Um, I don't think that's really important to the story. Uh, but from there, what results in that is that someone uh, or this pack of these uh These Mexicans that they killed, they come back at night later, and one of them's on top of our guy, Bruder, stabbing him. And who is it that kills him? Is it Arthur who gets up and shoots? I think so. So he saves his life initially. Yeah. Okay. And so they make off with their horses. So it's like, fuck, we still got like two day or day and a half journey. Now we got to do on foot. And now our guy Arthur with the bum leg is having a fucking crutch it from this point on, because before he was riding a horse and I thought <clears throat> this scene too kind of, I know we're fixated on Matthew Fox character, but I think he is a pretty big part of all of this um, is when you know, it shows he does have some empathy and some feeling when he has this beautiful white horse. And like I said he, before, he's all dressed in white. He's this dapper fucking cocky motherfucker. And of course he's got like the fastest, nicest, all white, beautiful horse. It ends up like getting maimed or something where he's got to fucking go kill it. And it sh- zooms in on him and it sh- it shows him. And he just says, thank you for your service. And he fucking, he puts his, his cult out of his misery, out of its misery. And he's having a tough time with it, you know? So it show it gives you a little bit of humanization right there, which I yeah. enjoyed. Um,
1: well, and one other thing, it was would, tough. Yeah. One other thing I would say is when, when the two, uh, the first two Mexican guys come to the camp, the sheriff and everyone is like, all right, well, come on closer, you know, they we're going to investigate. And he just shoots and kills both of them. He's, yeah, like, he's like, bang, bang, bang. He's like, they were either, uh, scouts or thieves and uh, we're not going to fuck around with that or whatever. So he turns out to be right when the rest of yep. them come out. And then right. shortly after this scene, moving ahead a little bit, there's that scene where he's talking to chicory about killing women and children. And he's mm-hmm. like, they're just as capable of killing you as the men are. So, uh, that was like a little bit of foreshadowing for later, I would say. But I mean, yeah, that just kind of goes to show it, it goes to even further show his acumen for dealing with crazy shit. Like, I mean, because he knew right yeah. away th- these guys are trouble. They're not they're not just lost wanderers like, like right. the sheriff might want to hope. Um, But yeah, so the the women and children thing, I think is significant for later in the movie.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think he's, he's the most cynical of the bunch and rightfully so. And it, I mean, it proves it too, because they do get ambushed a second time by that same raiding party that almost kills him. But um, yeah, he he's the one that sees, I think sees the world for what it really is. And I think at this probably time period when, you know, there's all kinds of lawlessness, it hasn't reached like, the quote-unquote level of civilization that we're accustomed to now um i think that he plays that just right for that time and place you know kind of like i know you haven't seen it but like people that have seen the walking dead probably have thought a certain way about shane um from and I, I myself was kind of guilty of like not liking Shane very much because he had this hard edge to him. But it turns out it's like that's what everyone else becomes. And that's what you have to become in a world that's kind of upside down like that. You can't trust anyone. You have to be super economical in like every facet. And I mean, Bruder's is like the perfect example of that. I think like anybody that's seen Walking Dead, I, I see a lot of Shane in him uh, who's played by John Joe Bernthal who was in, um, fury who plays, uh, fuck. Who does he play? He's like the real meathead of fury. Like the Brad tall Pitt. one,
1: the tall the, guy like who, the, who's like always fucking with the new guy.
0: Yeah. Like the most meatheaded, like, like hardcore out of their group. That's Joe Bernthal. Um, anyway, but, uh, I mean Matthew Matthew Fox character a little bit more civilized than that, I guess. But um, yeah, so from that point, then we're like, they're they're trucking it on foot to try to find this enclave, this outpost of um, these trogl- quote unquote troglodytes that are holding uh, Arthur's wife and our deputy Nick and the previously absconded um thief uh david arquette so they finally get to this like hole like a cavern inside of a fucking mountain and this is when shit like really picks up the pace and uh that's what it goes back to like that camera technique like like they go to this spot and they, they think that okay this is where they're at and like uh Matthew Fox is using like the the telescope to like look in, and all of a sudden, boom, he gets hit by a rock, and his left arm gets disabled. Boom, an arrow comes through, hits fucking Kurt Russell, and like the left shoulder. And Chickory gets something slung at him that slices the top of his fucking forehead off. They're none of them are killed, but they're kind of like immobilized and in a state of shock. And then at that point, um, we get these three tro- troglodytes that come out. They're all painted in white. They have these fucking, they look like predators, man. Like, they're intense. And they have these crazy, like, bone saw fucking, like, hatchets and shit from, like, bisons that they've sharpened down. And it all happens very fast. That's what I like about this guy, too, is, like, all of his violence and action scenes are, like, it's like an exclamation point. And they happen like rapid fire and they don't use a bunch of different shots. It's like one shot where all this is happening. Um, But unfortunately, our boy Bruder, he ends up uh, getting his right hand or left hand split off in half from like an errant. I had to rewind it a couple times this time. Did you did you have to do that or, or see like – because at first I was like, did he get his hand sliced in half or his hand sliced off? And he, he ends up – he it, gets it sliced off.
1: Oh, I thought it just got crushed, and I was afraid to move no. anything forward or backward because I didn't want to see one more fucking State Farm commercial.
0: Yeah, I bet. <laughs> no, yeah. So, he, so, Chicory shoots one of the dudes, and like one of the troglodytes, he like flails about and he throws his like, j- like cow jawbone fucking hatchet and it goes, it flips up in the air and it ends up coming down, comes down right on the wrist of, uh, that's why he's like, Hey, Chickory, tie me off. And he ties him off up at the elbow. He's so he's lost his whole right hand. It sounds like their left weapon, hand.
1: It sounds like that weapon might be a
0: bone tomahawk. Oh, there you go. Very good. That's what it was. Um, yeah. How fun. How fun. Uh, yeah. So th- this is kind of like, this is the, like the bad, the, the point that really endeared me to him. Cause he's like, all right, I'm going out as a fucking badass. He's like, leave me some fucking dynamite. Give me that repeater over there. Light me up a fucking cigar. And he, he even says to Kurt Russell too, he's like, I'm far too much of a vain man to f- live my life as a cripple. Yeah, you know, and, did he uh, did he
1: end up using the dynamite? I thought he just shot that last guy.
0: No, he didn't. Which okay. I I remembered this wrong because I thought at the end they go out in like a blaze of glory and he throws up a thing of dynamite. But no, th- he doesn't do anything with the dynamite. Okay, um, which is cool because I think that would have put it over the top. I think of of realism or at least the realism that this movie is setting up. But yeah, so our guy Bruder's fucked up. And they leave him with a repeater. And just as they leave, like another troglodyte, like whips around the corner and he sees him and he throws a fucking another bone tomahawk. And it sounds, you don't see it. They don't show it, but it sounds like Bruder, fires off a shot from the repeater. And then later on as Chickory is getting drugged back, they get ambushed, him and Kurt Russell, they get ambushed by like five dudes. And they get pulled away. It shows specifically they show Chickory laying on the ground and they're dragging him. And he looks over, he sees one of those troglodytes dead. And then he sees Bruder with he's got a bone tomahawk stuck right through his forehead. So it was like a bang, bang. Like, so he took one, that was his last move, um, which I was sad to see him go. Cause, but yeah. I, I did think he went out pretty badass. Um, so then this kind of leaves us in the last act of where it really goes like full op- apocalypto because they're like, they're prisoners. They're in this fucking like weird fucked up little prison area. And they do see that, Are um and we didn't mention her before her name is lily simmons i Mm -hmm. she's been in stuff but not anything like super notable that i have known her from but um she plays samantha so arthur's husband patrick wilson's or patrick wilson's wife she's in lockup and then kurt russell and Chickory get dragged in and then this is the scene where i was like oh Fuck. Like, this yeah. was the most intense and I think gives this movie its reputation. Uh, this is so the drag- signature moment. <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck, man. I I had a tough time with this. Not even just, like, the fucking catching a bone tomahawk that's probably sharpened so fucking sharp it could fucking, like, saw flies like a gnat's ass off of. But... <laughs> Not, not just that part where he gets hit with that in the dick and split in half, but the part where he's like, like telling like, Hey, give that shit back to my brothers. And they fucking, they do one incision on uh-huh. his forehead to scalp him. And then they start peeling dude, the way he screams yeah. and like reacts to the fucking scalp getting pulled off. And dude, the sound, I was like, the sound fuck. pretty good. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, I don't know what goes into, like, practical and CGI. They were able to meld those two things, but it looks very real. Like, it's it's Mm -hmm. hard to watch. And then they stuff that fucking his scalp skin into his mouth and then Uh jam like a fucking, like. Dude, it looks like, like a, the sharpest like fillet knife you've ever seen and they jam it down his throat and poke it back like two times for good measure. So it's like pierce like the back of his throat. I know that's super graphic, but um and then of course they flip him over end over end and they're holding both of his, they they're holding both of his ankles and they just start chopping right down the center between his fucking scrote and his Johnson and then they pull him apart like Mortal Kombat Fatality style like right in half fuck yeah that that was was, hard to watch it was pretty brutal it was fucked up what made it more is I I feel like that guy didn't get much screen time and I've seen he's been in other stuff so good for him but like the raw emotion and the, the guttural like screaming that he puts into that, like it puts you right there. Like I was like, Oh God, how much, how, how horrifying what's that fucking be? Like, yeah. Ugh.
1: Yeah. He was, he was involved just enough to where you knew who he was, but detached enough to where it's like, yeah, that's fine. If he dies, you know, if, if they had done that to, uh, Kurt Russell or something, it, it would just be like too much, you know? Yeah. So he, That's a really he, good point. He's kind of the expendable person that you do still care about. It's not somebody you just learned about. Like if they'd yeah. done it to David Arquette, it's like who
0: gives a shit? He kind
1: of deserved it, but yeah, this was guy a, was they
0: painted him as a scumbag at the beginning. Yeah, like, yeah, this guy's just good enough to, up.
1: He's just good enough to care about, but not connected enough to really care about to where it's super disturbing. Like, it, dude, if they had done that to uh, Bruder, that would have been.
0: Yeah. That would have been, been too much. That would have yeah. been too much. Isn't that interesting like if they would have done that to like someone like you build up in your mind he's like he's an asshole but he's also like he backs it up and he's like he's our it's asshole. It's like fuck. It's it yeah, it's <laughs> like fuck if they can do that to that guy, it's like what chance do we have, you know, this badass motherfucker. So but, yeah, that is a good point because when they do, like, to their credit, the film, when they do introduce all the characters and everything, he's definitely on the periphery of that. They don't spend too much time, but I thought it was it was interesting that they d- they do have a slight poignant moment where him, our deputy Nick, who gets fucking filleted in half, he's playing checkers with chicory. And they're playing, you know, and Chickory's like, "Fuck!" He's like, "How are you so good at this?" You know, and he's like, "Hey, I had four brothers, and we grew up in Montana, or we we, we uh cold you know, weather we grew up in the mountain, cold weather, you know. So we had a lot of time inside. So that gives you an idea, like you know, he was close with his brothers, and like you know, like this and that. So yeah, I think that's a that's a good call. Like they they just give you enough to where you." Yeah, like this guy's probably a good guy but not they don't center in on him enough to where it's like this would De- this devastating death when would does. fucking yeah completely devastate you yeah even though how hard, hardcore it is but yeah i think i think that scene probably is where this the whole like the shit's fucking super gory it's super it, i mean that takes place over five seconds, 10 seconds of the film. And even this last third of the film where most of the really fucked up stuff happens is the last 20 minutes of the film, you know? So I think this director and he wrote this actually as well. um, All three films that he's directed, uh, he has written and directed. I like this guy too, because as Craig Zoller, he's like a, he ran a kitchen, He was like a manager of a kitchen. He's like a chef guy. Like he's very blue collar and he, he just liked writing and it took him, I think nine years before he got someone to bite on bone Tomahawk. So yeah, he was just grinding and like, this is like kind of his dream and it got picked up and every film from this subsequent to this has been like independent, like, like brawl on cell block 99, which followed this and then uh, dragged across across concrete he was able to get you know Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson to star in those films and he did everything very independent so um, and this was his feature like he, did, he had done some shorts and he had worked as a cinematographer on some other smaller projects but I think for this being like your first time as a direct a true director and writing this film like I mean hats off to the guy it's 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 yeah. a Super strong showing. I can see why he's got some other things in the hopper, I think through like 2024. So I think this is a guy probably like in the next 10, 15 years, you'll see make more of these kinds of like really gritty, like uh, hard scrabble kind of films. Um, well, I mean, Cause it seems he's proven like he can do it. It seems like it would
1: be such a tough balance, right? Because, I mean, one of the biggest takeaways for me is how fucking funny the movie was. I enjoyed the humor of it a lot. So balancing mm-hmm. that with making it an actual good movie, a good Western, and also super gory and violent, that's tough to balance all of those things at the same
0: time. Yeah. Yeah, this dude's talented. I mean, I'm I i I'm remiss in the fact that I didn't mention, and I don't have it in front of me. Maybe it's in the fucking trivia. Um this guy also he 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 wrote a, a western book before this film that got a ton of praise, like and a ton of um, I think he won an award, but he's he's written like uh, two or three westerns where people were like, this is like a super like accurate in like the speech and like the time and place that he's choosing to. Uh, to write about he like he's gotten a lot of uh praise heaped on him for like accuracy <laughs> of like the timeline and like speech patterns and things like that so um i mean he seems very economical too like i like this film was shot in 21 days i remember when i read that i was like oh shit that's crazy like i did not know that um i guess dipping into trivia here too a little bit uh as well uh so matthew fox said that he enjoyed making this film more than any other film or TV project, including loss that he's been on. And he had always wanted to be in a Western. Uh, and this film also, the final movie represents the first draft of this script, which I mean, I got, I don't have any other metrics to look at or facts, but I have to think that that's a pretty rare deal. Cause I've heard of a lot of films that have gone through rewrites and like, like, upwards of like 15 to 20 different rewrites before you actually get to like day one of shooting what you're going off of. So, um, uh, so
1: you're saying it didn't go through changes and then they reverted back to the original. They stuck with the
0: original. Is that what you're saying? Right. Oh, okay. Right. Wow. Oh. Which is pretty in- intense. Like it's almost like, like, I, I like thinking like baseball terms. Like if you got a guy up from the farm system and then he just started winning and striking out people like left and right and didn't have any kind of like uh learning curve. Like he just went from being like good, like excellent right out of the gate Um and just got called up like he got like he played maybe like fall like a ball or like special a and then went up to triple a and pitched like two games and then brought him up to the show you know like it's pretty meteoric this guy's rise from like like it it self-professed you know you just got to keep grinding like i did this for like nine years before i got bone tomahawk picked up you know as as a chef and like managing a kitchen you know so I, I like that kind of blue collar aspect of this guy, and yeah, I, I'm excited to see more. I will say his follow up to this, Cell Block on ninety, what is it called? I think it's Cell Block of ninety nine or Cell Block ninety nine, starring Vince Vaughn, which is it's pretty intense, dude. He like he beats up a car like Street Fighter two style. Like, do you remember like the the bonus mission in Street, Street Honda. Fighter two? Yeah, you'd play like characters, and it's like beat the shit out of this car. Vince Vaughn like beats the shit out of a fucking car with his bare hands, like and like destroys it. Um, it's a pretty I, good. I film. said I said
1: E Honda, but I think it's any character. But I think the car looks like a Honda.
0: Yeah, like Dwight, 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 Dwight. Like just the fan fists, you know? Like oh yeah, uh, and then. Dragged Across Concrete with Mel Gibson, I did like. I had a couple problems with it, but I think out of his three uh, written and directed films that he's done, I think Bon Tomahawk is my favorite out of those three. But I
1: feel like I read um, an article a while back from, I don't know, somebody like Slate or, you know, one of those fucking rags where it was talking about Dragged Across, con- across Concrete was like a. A right wing propaganda. <laughs> it,
0: dude, it's not. It's really not. It's an action film. It's a really gritty cop fucking violent action film. That's all it is. They could have said the same thing about fucking Goodfellas. Yeah. If Goodfellas was made today. They'd say the same fucking thing about uh, fucking The Departed. They would say the same thing. It's yeah. It's just when he made that. And I mean, you know, not to be a Mel Gibson apologist, he's got his baggage, you know, so that right away opens you up as a target, like having Mel Gibson as your lead actor in a film. Um, Because I think post his like freak out, like he's been relegated to a certain kind of role and a certain quality of movie. But I think he was a really good get in Dragged Across Concrete with Paired with this guy, having no Hollywood pretension about him. See, I mean, that's my take on him. Um, yeah, I think it, it, all of his films are good. This one, Bone Tomahawk, is my favorite. It's a standout of the three, but I'm excited to see what he comes out with beyond this. I kind of like think of him as the same as that guy. I think his name's Taylor Sheridan, who did Wind River. Um, he's also, he did, um, Fuck, what else has he done? He did he did a movie with... I'm going to have to edit this because I'm fucking on one. He did one with Jeff Bridges and uh, another guy. What the fuck? Who am I thinking of? I think it was Hell or High Water. Have you ever seen the movie Hell or High Water? I have. Okay.
1: So that guy...
0: It. Yeah. What did you think of that one?
1: I liked it. I I had heard so much about it leading up to it that it was like the greatest movie since No Country for Old Men. That's a stretch. It is. So when I watched it, I, w- I was a little disappointed, but it's, I mean, it's still, I enjoyed it, but
0: I can see someone comparing it to that, but yeah, it's definitely not of that caliber. Right. But it is not. Yeah, I think so. Right now, I'm I'm way past the curve on all this, but I guess Yellowstone is like all the rage right now. He's part of that, but before that, he he wrote Sicario, which I like Sicario good enough uh, with Benicio del Toro, um, Emily Blunt, and who else was it? Haven't seen it. Uh, Heard it's good. The dude who played. Le- the dude who played Llewellyn. Oh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Yeah. Pretty much anything he's been in the last ten years has been great. But yeah, he did Wind River, Hell or High Water. I think of this guy kind of like along that same kind of wavelength. Maybe not maybe not quite cowboyish. Uh I guess it's I'm kind of biased because we're talking about a western here, but um I I think of him and Taylor Sheridan kind of along the same wavelength. They're kind of indie. Um, they don't have a lot of like Hollywood or like big picture support, uh, and they're just they're just making like really good shit, really gritty uh, stuff. So um, it's not my favorite, but I, I really did enjoy Bone Tomahawk. And I guess to wrap this up too, so one of the most badass parts to me was uh, so after our poor. Deputy Nick gets fucking sawed in half. They chicory and Kurt Russell do have a tincture of opium, which was being used to help Arthur with his bum leg. And they also have whiskey and they ask, what do they ask uh, the doctor? They're like, how much of this would fuck someone up or. Well, if you love do do, this. You love this because
1: you love referring to liquor in terms of fingers so, <laughs> pause for you to react. Um, yeah, so, so the, they have the, the flask of tincture opium. And they, yeah, I think they ask her, you know, how fatal would two fingers worth be? And I think she says three people?
0: Or maybe. The, yeah, maybe she's that's like. Just, she says, something like the first person who drinks off of it will be will kill them. The second person, like it'll knock them out for like fucking forty eight hours or twenty four hours or something. And the third will be like a minimal effect.
1: Like no, he takes a I, sip
0: off this bottle? No, was not that I,
1: what it was? No, I think that's what she said after the fact because when when the oh, okay. thre- when the three dudes came in and they're like, oh yum, mm-hmm. this is really good, and they snatched it." I think she saw how much like the first guy drank some, the second guy drank more, the third guy drank a little bit or whatever and then threw the flask in the fire and, and then left and they were like the, the dudes asked her what do you think's going on and she said I think I think anyway. She said the first guy is going to be out for 48 hours but he'll be fine. The second guy's going to die and the third guy's going to be fine. I think just based on how much they each drank
0: could be wrong, right. but so Kurt Russell and chicory set up this thing where they put this opium tincture in the whiskey flask and then they set up like a theatrical like, okay, when these fuckers come back, these troglodytes to check on us or try to eat us or do whatever, we're going to fight over this bottle. Like it's something really tasty. And they're like, no, give me a drink. No, it's my drink. You asshole, Whatever. So that ends that I think this is probably the flimsiest part of this film, but the troglodytes see what's happening and they're like, they grunt at each other and fucking whistle. And uh, they're like, okay, maybe this is something that we want. So they snatch the fucking flask. (laughs) First guy drinks it. Second guy takes a drink. Third guy takes a drink. And they have this weird like lava fire pit in the middle of this like prison area um and they just toss it in the fire so this fucking metal flask is sitting in the fire and it's warming up quickly they go away um they come back cuz there's some kind of disturbance and they realize like you know these fuckers did something to us one guy's one of the troglodytes is dead the second the second one was like the big badass motherfucker with like Horns through his lips and shit And he's built like a brick shithouse He's like 6'5", 275 pounds Motherfucking like You don't want to deal with this guy He pulls Kurt Russell out And they fucking take a slit Like right where his fucking liver is probably And then they jam this scalding hot That's hot metal flask that's been burning in this fire and they shove it like in his innards. And that part, that was the second part that like, I was like, Oh Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah. Like that was really hard to watch. And it's like a, it's such a weird thing, you know, to like build into your movie. Like, like this is what's happening right now. Yeah. They just buried a fucking 200 Celsius fucking, metal flask into your guts. And then like I guess we forgot to talk about these troglodytes all speak through like these fucking weird whistles and sounds and shit like they've taken bones and they've embedded them into their fucking larynx or whatever and that's how they speak to one another. Well, our guy Arthur who's like pulling up the rear on his bum ass leg, he's here to save the day crawling like army style all the way up to this fucking cave. He kills one of these. He kills a handful of troglodytes, I think. Mm-hmm. But he ends up. He's like, "Oh, what is this some jewelry?" He fucking rips out this chest piece, this throat piece of these whistle that these people are communicating with. I thought that was kind of a little bit of like a lo- a leap of logic in the plot, like. He could have easily bypassed that, but he's like, oh, what is this in your throat? You know, is this jewelry? And they take a really long time to show him cutting that fucking thing out of this person's throat, which <laughs> yeah. I didn't like either. Anyway, then the lead puts to like, two and two together. I can use
1: this to make noise
0: to attract the others. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's, that's another, any dings that I have on this film. Are that part of it? Like him putting two and two together really quickly, like us, the audience, has already seen other things. Like, oh, yeah, like that's how they speak to one another. Like he's coming across this body for the first time and seeing like three holes of bone jutting out of someone's fucking throat. So that's kind of a leap, but I. I'm fine with it, whatever. So he ends up coming out, drawing some people out. And then this is where we get like the, the most like satisfying, like revenge part for me is where, uh, our big ass, like ape the apex predator of the apex predators with the boar tooth motherfucker. He gets distracted enough. Like by hearing this sound that, um, Kurt Russell grabs a bone tomahawk that his is just within reach of him. And he slices this motherfucker's foot off like halfway through the foot. So he's, he's pretty much got like a stub and he proceeds to like flip over, get over the front of him and fucking, he does like three or four hacks and he cuts this dude's head off. Uh, pretty brutally and like they don't shy away from it and it, I thought that was pretty satisfying like that was like a really good like send off because we know at this point okay Kurt Russell they also shot him in the gut he's got he's wearing a flask uh in his stomach well there's also, there's also there's also the very uh he gets his hand,
1: he gets like two fingers cut off too the the intense part where the uh, the native is standing over him with the gun, can't figure out how to reload it, and then when he yeah. then when he does figure it out, he shoots him once and that's he when he shouts, repeater shouts to Arthur, cuts his foot off, and but by then, you know, that's when he I think I think that's when he takes a shot to the chest when he learns how to reload it and he shouts to Arthur, he's yeah. in here. And then he takes a shot, and then it's pretty much over for him at that point.
0: Yeah, so we so we know our guy, uh, Kurt Russell. He he's done for. So that, it was pretty satisfying to see him cut this fucker's head off. Like that was that was pretty brutal, pretty badass. And then, you know, we get to the point where it's like, okay, uh, Kurt Russell's the last man standing. He's got the repeater. He's gonna kill whoever comes through you know the the main chamber of this hideout for these troglodytes and I th- like the mo the coolest moment I had I thought was like the moment we have with him and Chicory because Chicory's wife has died they they plant that seed a lot earlier he goes and visits her grave so he's a bachelor whereas Kurt Russell is still married like and before he leaves, like the wife is like, Oh, you don't have to go, blah, blah, blah. Come back to me alive, this and that. So there's a there's a cool moment at the very end where, you know, we know Kurt Russell's not coming back back from this and, and Trickery's standing there looking at him, they don't know what to say to each other. And he's like he's like, Say say goodbye to my wife and I'll say hello to yours. I thought that was a cool, like and he like gives them a nod and they fucking go, you know. I, I like that yeah. moment quite a bit. It was very, yeah. like, to the point. It wasn't over dramatic. They didn't overplay it. Like, um, so. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where it leaves us in, uh, the chicory Arthur on his bum ass leg and his wife get out. There is that weird scene where it shows Wait. the fucking women. Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to mention because. <sighs> go, go for
1: it. That part was gnarly. Well, yeah, because, uh, Earlier, Samantha, when they had asked him, like, how many many people are we dealing with here? She said, I think 12 men and then two women who are pregnant, blind, (laughs) and bound or something is what she said. So when they go to leave, they see these two women pregnant, bound with stakes in their fucking eyes. Yeah, And they were I like thought, big
0: stakes too.
1: I thought this would be uh, a sort of hearken back to um, Bruder talking about like killing women and kids because they can just as easily kill you. Um, right. So when, when they're walking by and they see two pregnant women, pregnant with the next generation of crazy ass dudes that are going to kill them. I kind of thought, I kind of thought that they would do what might seemed unfavorable and just kill them both. Probably for the, probably for their own benefit. Actually, these two chicks who are chained up blind, pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they're chained
0: up and blind and all these males have been killed ostensibly, um, That's just going to, they're going to birth these poor children and they're going to die within like five days of being birthed out of them and have like a horrible, like six day existence and starve out and die.
1: Do you think maybe they were
0: setting up a sequel? I don't think so because of who this guy is who made this film and just because it was an indie picture. Um, I don't think they were thinking of that at all. Like this was just like a straight standalone, like, but I I can see where you're coming from, like in two ways. So like, yeah, we should like on one, in one sense, we should put these women out of their misery, you know, straight up. And then two, you know, what if, what if there are some males in this tribe that do come back and the cycle just perpetuates itself. And like these kids get born and the males raise them and train them to be who they are. And then you have another, you know, enclave of, of these just really disgusting uh, cannibals. Yeah. So, but I can also see them just being like in that moment of like exhaustion and like, terror and like wanting to get out and like seeing this horrifying thing and then just like keep on, keep on moving. But I, I yeah, that part was really fucked up. And I thought too, like it looked like at least it looked like there's two women. They're mm-hmm. blinded. They have these fucking like bludgeons in their eyes. It looked like one of them had no arms. Well, Did you I notice that, that or was that I just didn't. me?
1: No, I didn't notice that. It
0: looked like one of like one of them was just like all like no arms and like blinded with bludgeons in her eyes, super pregnant and maybe even cut off at the knee. Like they, they were just like laying on these like stone, Jesus. like this area where like, yeah, they just used these women that they came across who knows where they were from, but this tribe used these women just to impregnate and continue their line of males, male dominated, like psycho cannibal cult on this hill. Um, yeah, but I, d-
1: I didn't see any males there, any young males. They all seem to be of age. So, I don't know how they're perpetuating.
0: Yeah. I I guess that's one of the things maybe if you look at that a little bit too long or too yeah. hard, it kind of falls apart a little bit, but at any rate, that was a disturbing scene when they yeah. when they finally when they get out, it's like, "Oh, the terror's not over. Here's one last thing before you leave." Like these poor fucking women just blind and like wallering in this <laughs> cave, like just ready to yeah. shit out the next line of like psychopaths. Um, Should have killed them. Yeah. I think there's an argument for either way, but yeah. So that's without, hopefully we didn't belabor this too much, but uh, that that's bone tomahawk and uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I think it's a, it's a really good different take on Western because for his, I think for his gory and his horror as it leans into, I wouldn't call this a, I don't think I'd call this a horror film. No, I'd I wouldn't just call it. It's, it's an intense fucking Western. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. Do you have any final thoughts about this flick? Do you want to talk about anything we, breezed over that you can think of now? No.
1: Nope. I don't think no, so. I want to hear it from your lips. <laughs> nope.
0: <laughs> nope. Another fun one. Yeah, totally. Um, one thing this made me think, I remember when I was watching this, I was like, dude, I remember the time you sent me, you sent me a meme of, cause I'm a big lost guy. I love lost. And one time you sent me a meme. It's, it's of Jack, from lost Matthew Fox and he's got he's like biting his lip and he looks like he's just about to cry and above the meme it says when your eight white claws deep and drops of jupiter comes on dude i remember the first time he sent me that i f- i about died like i <laughs> i probably got ejected from my seat wherever i was <laughs> laughing cuz i identified it's funny because it's not just the loss factor but also cuz you know that i love Drops of Jupiter by Train. Yeah, um, it it hit me. It was like a one two, like Bob douche, like you're done. Um, it's funny. I didn't even realize whatever <laughs> shitty actor you were
1: talking about. I didn't realize the Lost connection. I just knew you liked really bad music, like Drops of Jupiter. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I so that was just a on one.
0: An unintentional one two punch. Wow. Yeah. It was, it, it, when you had sent it to me, it just hit me perfect. I'll, (laughs) I'll share that on our socials because it's just, it's like the perfect encapsulation of a meme of like the emotion this guy's wearing on his face and then what's behind it. Like, it's, it's perfect. Um, Cause it's like so true. I could I could be that. I could feel being eight white claws deep, and like being at a bar, and someone like hits that on karaoke, or like they just start blasting drops of Jupiter, dude. I would just be like, dude,
1: yeah. This would be a problem. You would be
0: a problem. (laughs) (laughs) This is two thousand one all over again. Um, (laughs) Um. all right, cool. So that's that's that flick. If you haven't seen Bone Tomahawk, it's, it's a banger. It's a good Western. It's a good one. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, okay. Uh, I, I do have uh, some quick hitters about this. Um Oh, yeah, I thought this was interesting. So, uh, our guy, Bruder, Matthew Fox, he wears the same exact style pistol holster as Johnny Ringo from Tombstone. Uh, Michael Bain. Huh. Which, I think this is a good entry point. I remember I talked about floating an idea for a new segment and because of our, our mutual um, love for Bill Paxton. Uh, I floated. So my idea is, I mean, it's not novel. It's like, a, it's, it's a carbon copy of, you know, six degrees of bacon, Kevin Bacon. You've heard of that before, like six yeah. degrees of separation, mm-hmm. six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. I thought, you know, and we can tweak this too, but all paths lead back to Bill Paxton. Yeah. Um, let's see if we can tie whatever we're talking about even if it's not a movie, let's see if we can tie it back to Bill Paxton. Um, I think this might be easy pickings for you to take a crack at. How can... Are you able to tie Bone Tomahawk back to Bill Paxton, either through actor or anyone, director or writer involved with this film? <coughs> um, hmm. This should be a gimme. I will It say. Should be. Not to put not to put pressure on you, if you think about the lead actor.
1: Well, first of all, it's a uh, Michael Bean, not Michael. Is By- Yeah. I always um, thought it was Bane. Nope, you're wrong. God um, damn
0: it! Hmm. I'm gonna laugh in your face when you don't. Well, get it's
1: got to be. It's got to be Tombstone, right? With uh, that's the easiest. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Okay. okay. And that's good enough. That's fine. That's what I was going to go off of too, but like, yeah, like, you know, Kurt Russell, he worked with Kurt Russell on Tombstone. Yeah. He played, what was his character? Morgan? Morgan Earp. Yep. There you go. Alongside Sam. uh, Elliot. Sam Elliot. Wow. Maybe I should be testing you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Okay. So that's
1: our, uh, here's my cat.
0: She's been napping. I've been working on my uh, my Tim Allen grunt. No. Every time I do it, my son looks over at me and he like, stops what he's doing. And he fucking just smiles like a big fat idiot that he is. <laughs> um, it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, Here, that's for you. Just cat butthole. Cat front butt and center on the on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Staring into the void. Um all right. Cool. Well, that was Bone Tomahawk. Check it out. Awesome cast. Awesome film. Uh we do a little bit of housekeeping here. We have a we have a new review on this is from Apple Podcasts. This is actually from our boy, Hyderberg, uh, who I have I know from uh, the Straight Chilling Community. He is also one-third of the uh, A Cut Above Horror Review uh, podcast, who's had me on a couple times as well. Shout out to them. Um, I think they just did Terrifier 2. They're on like episode 71 or 72. They're fucking just trucking. So check them out. Uh, for sure, but he left us a nice little review that I'll share for us here. Uh, from Hyderberg on Apple Podcast. wax up, porp. Listening to G Baby enlighten his buddy Steve with his wealth of film wealth of film knowledge is hilarious. G Baby is doing the Lord's work, helping Steve out with his awful taste in movies. He needs some milk. Jokes aside, Steve really shines on the research side, especially during one of their missing persons slash mystery episodes. Check out the big brain on Brad. They both have great chemistry and learning their in jokes is part of the charm of the cast. That's my cat. Anyway, just <laughs> want to say, keep waxing and keep it creepy. Well, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate you, Hyderberg. Uh, friend of the show, friend in general. Appreciate you, my guy. Yeah, I think this has been a a pretty fun venture so far. I feel good about the the track record and there's, I think there's many many more gems to come here. So um, one, I'm excited too. I think it's maybe in two or three weeks or more down the road, we're going to be talking about, uh, we got our our buddy John, uh, Staring John locked up for McCabe and Miss Miller starring Warren Beatty and uh, Julie Christie from 1971. That film's a fucking banger. I'm I'm really excited to talk about that one once we get there. But um, I think that'll be one that you really like too, Steve, that that wasn't one on my radar at all. I had, uh, there was a time when we still lived in the area. Me and my wife would go to my father-in-law's house and we would cook dinner and hang out with him and he'd pick the movie. So I got to see like, I'd never seen the dirty dozen before Um bunch of cool shit, like older films that I'd never seen. And one night he put on, he's like, you ever seen McCabe and Miss Miller? And I was like, Nope, we checked it out and it was fucking great. It was like, one of the more, I would say, one of the more perfect uh, film watching experiences I've had, which is, I think it's pretty substantial for me. So I'm really curious to see what you think about that one and how it hits you. But um, next week, tentatively, we have planned to talk to our, our buddy Dick Dog, uh, a.k.a. Richard, uh, about it, it's going to be it could be a one-on-one but potentially it could be more down the road like multiple volumes a la the confessions of a card counter that we our series that we did with steve uh previous but um tentative for next week our buddy rich will come on and really just kind of just bullshitting and but tell also trying to like stick to kind of his life story um specifically uh his his mother was uh brutally murdered uh a couple decades ago that he wants to talk about and bring light to so um potentially next week that's what we'll be talking about him and honestly like i'm thinking about it like his life story is is like i think about without disrespect to him only in the best way it's like joe dirt meets (laughs) don quixote um it's kind of a wild kind of journey that he's taken through his life, and he's just chock full of funny stories and anecdotes that I, I think will be uh really fun to talk about. So stay tuned. That's what we have uh tentatively planned for next week. So it'll be a little bit of a departure um from our regular topics, but I think it'll be a an awesome, awesome chat and good conversation, regardless. So yeah, I think that'll do it. Boris, you got any final thoughts, Steve-O, before we uh, call this one? No, I don't think so. Uh, Dick
1: is one of my favorite people that I've ever met in my entire life. So if you're still listening, you're going to want to listen next week. Yeah. He's a good dude. I think that's
0: a... yeah, totally. I think that's a common thread. Who? That's he's one of those rare people I think in the world that I think anyone that spent any amount of time or even talked with him in passing, he would they he or she would classify them as that like one of my favorite people, like one of the these you know unique people that you you come across in life that's just chock full of of good stuff. So yeah. I think, I think that'll be fun. So stay tuned. Um, if anything changes, maybe we'll update the socials. If we're going to, if we need a little bit more time, we'll skip to something else. But if you have anything to say in general or any thoughts about bone tomahawk, you can reach out to us, uh, at our email is wax at waxing or you can hit us on either of our socials. Instagram is waxing the porpoise or Twitter at waxing the Thank you very much for joining us. Steve-O as always fun discussion i'm glad you yep. like this flip oh yeah chalk another win in the uh for the good guys and yes sir we'll, we'll see you guys next week bye take care bye <laughs> thank you
1: that's fucking interesting man
0: that's fucking interesting <laughs>